Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Heston, back with another episode here in The Truth. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we are continuing our college football, college conference breakdowns here in the Power Five by going over the Big Ten Conference. For those of you that do not know, I recently decided to do a Power Five only conference preview for the Power Five schools. Yesterday's or a couple days ago show was the Big 12. Today we've got the Big Ten, we got the uh, Pac-12, ACC, and SEC to follow, so hopefully you guys are excited about that. Basically, I'm going to go over where I think they're going to finish in the regular season standings, as well as why maybe a reason or two why I think they're going to finish where they're going to finish. Not the biggest college football expert but i wanted to get you guys something like this out here i'm really going to be doing weekly uh college football shows when the college football rankings come out so stay on the lookout for that but wanted to get you guys going with this and so it'll probably be about a minute per team get you guys more familiar with the team and kind of see where college football is in the landscape moving forward Without further ado, let's go ahead and preview the Big Ten, starting with the Big Ten East, and my number one team is going to be the Michigan Wolverines. This is a loaded team. The offense is loaded with J.J. McCarthy at quarterback, and the running backs Blake Cornum and Donovan Edwards are back. McCarthy obviously took the job from Cade McNamara. He looks really good, and then Blake Corum has done tremendous for the Michigan Wolverines as well as Donovan Edwards. The offensive line last season was already good, but they only got better through the transfer portal. Had some big names there on the transfer side of things. Have an impact. Um, yeah, that would be something that keeps Michigan's offensive line the best or one of the better in all of college football. And again, the defense should still be among the best in the Big Ten, bringing back seven defensive starters. And I personally think it's going to be a big year for quarterback Will Johnson. There's a lot of opportunity. The you know, defensive lineman Mason Graham also a potential not necessarily a dark horse candidate, but a guy that can really make an impact for Michigan. And, and and all in all, Michigan seems to be a good team moving forward. The only thing that seems to be hurtling them right now is John Harbaugh. At the time of recording this podcast, I'm not sure his status. Yesterday I saw a report that he was suspended or his suspension was revoked or something like that. Um, but there's still potential for him to get suspended. So uh, we'll kind of see you know, what happens uh, with Jim Harbaugh. I don't know why I said John Harbaugh earlier. Jim Harbaugh. John Harp, Jim Harbaugh, good gosh, good gosh. Um, you know, we'll see kind of what happens there. But all in all, he's uh, likely, I think, the coach, at least for a certain extent. But his team will definitely back him up and, and perform if he isn't able to coach. Number two, I'm going to go with a surprise here, maybe, and it's going to be Penn State. Offensive transition from Sean Clifford to Drew Aller. Hit or miss guy, I'm going to go with a hit. Sean Clifford, obviously, had a tremendous career there at Penn State, is doing well in the first preseason game with the Packers. He's going to be missed, but Drew Aller is a guy that can really fit in really nicely and has good success. They also, like Michigan, have a good running back pair, Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen. We've seen great running backs come out of Penn State, Noah Kane, Saquon Barkley, to name a few. Those guys are in the familiar mix. Obviously, they're not maybe to their equal events, but with having two solid running backs there, it's a good option to get Drew Aller familiar with the game as a whole. And again, with Michigan, the line pair should be among the best as well. Got a lottery pick, potentially, in my mind, in Ulu Fashionu on the left side, which is going to be huge. Obviously, Penn State loves to run the football. We've seen that at running quarterbacks. We've seen that with regular running backs. But, uh, you know, kind of similar offensive style and offensive game plan and offensive roster build size, I guess you could say, is Michigan, which is one of the reasons why I'm really heavily invested in Penn State this season. Similar offense. The only difference uh, is defense's spotty and wide receiver play, potentially. Can the defense recover from losing some big guns? I think so, but maybe not as much as people expect. And I think the Penn State's offense is going to be fine. I do believe that Penn State's defense will be fine as well. They did lose Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley. They had uh, Kent State transfer Dante Cephas to help with that. 
and they lost Joey Porter Jr. and safety Jair Brown. But I do believe that, you know, they got a lot of guys kind of built in there. They got linebacker Abdul Carter, Adisa Isaac, and Chop Robinson to kind of help that defensive side there and continue to have success for Penn State. I don't think a lot of people are giving Penn State credit. I think a lot of people kind of see Penn State suffer in the past couple of seasons and obviously expect year in and year out to be Ohio State and Michigan. But let's not forget that Penn State's still a very good prominent school. They've made the impact in the Big Ten for years. And even if they had a down year or two, they'll be back in the mix this season. I do believe they're going to have a good amount of success. Oh. <coughs> Excuse me. Ohio State at the three is a little bit interesting to some. Lost C.J. Stroud and three offensive linemen. Spotty quarterback play potentially. I wasn't necessarily big on C.J. Stroud. I was big on his surrounding cast, which was one of the reasons, <coughs> excuse me, if not the main reason for his success. And I think one of the ways that they can complement the offense well is having a good running game. I mean, the Big Ten has been known for running, but Ohio State as well has also been known for having you know good running backs, even if they haven't been tremendous in the NFL. They have a one-two punch of Travion Henderson and me and Williams. So you look at these top three teams, in my opinion, in Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, what's one of their similarities? Two great running backs. We see that how they kind of translate in the NFL with Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Tony Pollard, Zeke last season. Running backs like that, and it does translate at the college level too, these college running backs aren't the typical NFL running backs that you see. So kind of having a good combination there is going to be huge. I think this is a breakout season. Oh, it's already Travion Henderson's already broken out, but even a more tremendous impact now that C.J. Stroud is out of there. And, you know, having a new quarterback is going to be huge. Uh, Kyle McCord, I think, is the front runner to replace C.J. Stroud. But as mentioned, for Ohio State down the line, there's also some quarterbacks that can fill in the mix too. So... I do believe that this offense is going to be good. They have Jim Nolso as their coordinator. Um, I do believe, uh, I was on the defense side, I should be I meant to say, but I do believe they're going to have good success. It's just a question of how are they going to put it together and are they going to be able to be an impact team from the get-go or are they going to be a team that struggles mightily in the Big Ten? I think they're going to struggle as far as Ohio State is concerned, maybe lose two or three games and finish third there in the Big Ten East. Uh, I just think that they need a little bit of time. Again, losing C.J. Stroud, Trayvon Henderson is going to be huge, but I think next season Ohio State can maybe make that prominence back into the postseason or college football playoff, I guess you could say. Indiana at the four spot. It was a rough season for Indiana last season. I think a bit surprising to some. Two and seven in conference play, four and eight overall. They got a heavy transfer team, which again could be hit or miss. I'm gonna go with hit. Transfer quarterback and transfer running back from productive schools. You know, Indiana's looking at a new team here. They got quarterback Tavian Jackson from Tennessee and Christian Turner from Wake Forest. Both those guys played on high prolific offenses. Obviously, last season, Hendon Hooker was there at Tennessee, but Tavon Jackson's looked great in practice. Running back Christian Turner had a great season and career there at Wake Forest, and there's just a lot of opportunity for him to kind of go to Indiana and thrive. They also have a handful of defenders that help a unit that struggled mightily on the defensive side last year at 33.9 points a game. It returns just two starters. So kind of getting more familiarized from a veteran kind of standpoint on the defensive side is going to be huge. Um, I do believe also as well having a guy like Cam Cramper and Jalen Lucas at the running back position to complement Christian Turner is going to be huge for Indiana. Their defense isn't great, obviously 33.9 points a lot of last game or last season, but I do believe it is improved. Like I said, a lot of the same guys there 
as far as having a lot of, I guess, uh, scheming-wise and longevity from overall growth and development in a lot of these young guys here. So I definitely think it's going to be improved. But Indiana is also a team that you look at the Big Ten East, you got the three big guns, maybe four per se every year, and then there's the three or four that are really bad. This is why I kind of have Indiana at the four spot. They're not better than the three best teams in the Big Ten East, but they're not worse than the three worst in my opinion. So... Indiana is also a team that can skyrocket from being the worst in the division or worst in the Big Ten East to the best in a matter of minutes. So we'll see what happens, but I'm going to go on the hit side for Indiana as far as the other teams not associated with the top three. Rutgers. I'm going to put Rutgers at the five. This is a bit interesting. They have some experience on the offensive side, including returning quarterback Kirk Sirioka. Offense definitely struggled as well. There's more improvement on this side of the ball going into this season and more improvement from the transfer portal, uh, bringing guys up, etc. Good couple transfers at wide receiver might take a time to develop. But again, a really good running back game with Kyle Mangione, Samuel Brown V, and Al Shaheed Salam. So they got three running backs compared to the two. And Rutgers is a team that, again, can utilize the run very effectively and find very high numbers and very high values by having a good, efficient running game. That's something that's going to, again, take notice of Rutgers as a whole and see what impact that running game can have and complement a quarterback like Kirk Saranova. Defense will be improved, again, returning seven starters. I think it's a good season in the right direction. Rutgers isn't known for having tons of success in the Big Ten East at all. They're really just in the Big Ten as far as money is concerned. But this is a season where, again, I think besides the top three teams, there's a lot of opportunity for growth and development. I think Rutgers fits in that mix very nicely and can complement even themselves or other teams in the Big Ten. It can be a team that's seriously competing not necessarily for a division crown, but competing in the Big Ten East nonetheless and moving forward in the right direction. Maryland, I'm putting them at the number six spot. They have a heavy offensive firepower weapons, but shitty offensive line. Defense will be a nightmare. Lost key weapons they had on the defensive side to begin with. That was really their only bright spot on the defensive side, in my opinion. Um, looking at Maryland as a whole this season, they are returning to Twyla Tagovailoa at 3,008 passing yards and 18 touchdowns. Ron, Roman Hemby and a couple of groups and weapons at wide receiver. My biggest thing is the fact that I don't think their offensive line play is going to build well. They're just returning one starter, but they are continuing to improve on the defensive side. They allowed five yards per play last year, which was a bit down in the right direction, and they did get a couple transfers to fill in some key roles in the defensive front, but I do believe also losing the secondary guys that they lost in Jacurry and Bennett and Deontay Banks is really going to provide a bigger landscape for the defense as a whole and one of the reasons why they're going to not have success. Secondary is huge, especially with teams like Ohio State and Michigan who can throw the ball downfield in a hurry. I think looking at Maryland as a whole, their defense is a bit spotty and the really only consistent guy you can truly trust is Tago Viola, but I think their offensive line play is going to be a disaster for Maryland and that's going to provide a lot of instability at the quarterback, running back, and even wide receiver positions, so not putting the Maryland offense at a premium spot there. And then Michigan State, I'm putting them at my number seven spot, which is a bit interesting to say the least. They lost Peyton Thorne to the transfer portal, which it doesn't seem like a terrible situation, but losing Thorne does, I think, hurt Michigan State as a whole. And I do feel like it's been a good amount of time since it felt like Michigan State has had success. At a rough offense, I think Noah Kim at quarterback will continue to be the same his first year there at Michigan State. The biggest thing with Michigan State, and it's been like this for a while now, it feels like, is can the running game be successful? Defense will be the best chance for them to win for the Spartans. I just don't see it working once again there in East Lansing. I really don't. I think a lot of people might be surprised by putting them at the seventh spot here, but when you look at this Michigan State team, it's really not that good. 
Thorne was one of their best players on the offensive side. I think people are kind of crediting Michigan State for what they did in the transfer portal or the guys that are expected to do well this season. But as far as longevity is concerned, I don't think Michigan State's really in a good position. They haven't been, quote-unquote, in the past couple of seasons. They obviously haven't performed in Michigan State standards. So there's a lot of uncertainty for them as a whole and kind of seeing what they're going to be able to do. So that's why I have them finishing at the seventh spot. Number one in the Big Ten West, I gotta go with my Iowa Hawkeyes. Last year, they'll probably ever be successful. The Cade McNamara era is here. He did injure himself, I believe, in practice the other day. I'm not too sure about how serious his injury is, but that is obviously a concern because if he is injured for a significant time, that definitely hinders Iowa's chances as a whole. Looking at their offense from last season, only 17.7 points a contest, which is pathetic. I was watching that. It felt like I was watching paint dry every time I watched Iowa's offense. But getting Cade McNamara is going to be huge. They also had a couple of additions to the uh, receiving corps. They also brought in uh, the tight end from Michigan. I can't think of his name right now, but Luke Alt, is that correct? It might be. Um, good success there. Caleb Johnson is a rising star. He's one of the running backs I think can potentially succeed at the NFL level. Iowa is known for running the football and having success running, but they've never really had tremendous running backs. They've had guys like Akram Wadley, Gavin Williams, Caleb Johnson, to name a few, just a kind of running back by committee team. Caleb Johnson, however, is a guy that can potentially fill in very nicely for a uh, NFL team. He will, I think, utilize more his pass-catching ability in the uh, as a running back as a whole, too. One of the reasons why I say that is the fact that you know, quarterbacks like Petrus, the offense sucked under Brian Ferris. It's going to continue to suck under Brian Ferris. But moving forward, it can definitely be put in the right direction if they continue to find ways to have success and move forward in the right manner, I guess is a good way to put it. They also get, um, you know, Riley Moss. Uh, sorry, Jack Campbell and Riley Moss will be gone, but they get Cooper DeGene back, who is a preseason All-American in my opinion. There's a lot of talent on the defensive side for Iowa, and it feels like year in and year out they have a lot of talent on the defensive side. I firmly believe the West Division's up between Iowa and Wisconsin, and whoever wins that game probably will win the division, but since it's my Iowa Hawkeyes, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and have them win. Wisconsin, I have them finishing at the number two spot here. This would be good, but curious to see their new approach with Fickle at the head coach. One of the reasons why I say that is Wisconsin's been known year in and year out for running the ball with running backs like 30, 40 times a game and not passing the ball. Did lose Graham Mertz, I believe he's going to be the starting quarterback there at Florida. But Luke Fickle definitely provides a different offensive style. I don't know what they're going to do on the offensive side because their identity is running the ball the way that they run the ball and not necessarily getting wide receivers familiar in the game, in the passing game, which is something that can be a bit concerning for Wisconsin and something that they might need to address down the line. But as far as Wisconsin's concern playing-wise, I do believe they won't necessarily be hindered too much. It's just going to be interesting to see the change of styles and change of course that they do operate there at a basis now in the Big Ten. They do have one of the best defenses in the nation, eight returning starters, and they have a huge returning back in Braylon Allen. We've seen the running backs come out of Wisconsin. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, Melvin Gordon. Braylon Allen's one of those guys that can even be better than those guys in the school. They also have a favorable schedule this year, which is something different that's different than Iowa. Iowa's got to play Penn State at Penn State in the first Big Ten game, go home to Michigan State. So there is some opportunity for failure there. Wisconsin's got a favorable schedule, and that might be the difference maker from them winning the West Division or losing it. But in my opinion, with first-year head coach Luke Fickle, I don't think they're going to win the division this year. I do think they'll win it next year. But I do believe they're—I thought they were getting rid of conferences, Big Ten West and East, with the new additions from the Pac-12 joining. Not too sure about that, but— if there is a Big Ten West division, Wisconsin will probably win it down the line moving forward. So that's something to take notice of as well.
Purdue. Put Purdue at the three spot. They're either so good or so bad. And typically they're so bad, but they have big wins. I remember they either beat the Wisconsin's, the Iowa's, Ohio State's. I mean, they're an upset in minded team. And that's kind of where I think they're going to be this year. They're heavy in the transfer portal. They lost Aiden O'Connell, obviously, and Charlie Jones, a prolific wide receiver from Iowa. They're heavy in the transfer portal to kind of fill those needs. They also lost their head coach. Uh, and Jeff Brom. So Purdue kind of seems to be in a different position. They have Ryan Walters, who was a co the defense coordinator, I believe, at Illinois. And he produced one of the best defenses at Illinois, I think, in the history of college football. That defense was a work of magic, which honestly is something that I think Purdue desperately needed. They give up 27.4 points per game and returned just four starters this fall. Ryan Walters' position as far as his coach as a whole and the defensive mindset he's going to be able to bring Purdue can really make Purdue a perennial Big Ten West team year in and year out because their offense is obviously going to be there. They got Hudson Card at quarterback. They also got Devin McCoby, standout uh, stand year potentially for him at running back. So they have a lot of opportunity to grow. Their offensive side's good. We all know that. How can their defensive side fare? I think with the addition of Ryan Walters and continuing to recruit well as far as running our defense is concerned, they're going to be put in a great position moving forward. So this was a huge hire for Purdue. And I think, yeah, there a lot of people put them at six. And I talk about first-year head coach impact. I think the impact for him is going to be huge. And especially in a weaker Big Ten division, this is a lot of opportunity for growth there for Purdue as a whole. Speaking of a former Illinois coach, I got Illinois at four. This might be the best. This might have been the best defense in the nation last year. But now this year they lost their D.C. and Devin Witherspoon, who is both tremendous impacts on the defensive side. They will still be a solid defense, but they won't be as dominant, hence why I think they'll soft a little bit. Expect Keith Randolph Jr. and Jerzera Newton to handle the strengths on the defensive side. It's both interesting too, Luke Altmeyer, a quarterback, transfer from Ole Miss will help the offense, but they need a little bit more to have success. The Illinois Ryan Walters has kind of developed a good tradition of defense for the defensive side. Having a new DC will definitely change that a bit, but a lot of the younger guys, too, that kind of experience playing in the Big Ten or, you know, playing for Illinois will definitely greatly impact from what he was able to provide as far as a coaching standpoint there. And that's, I think, something that's going to be huge for Illinois moving forward and something that really provides Illinois an opportunity to be great. Because we know they're going to be good on the offensive side, but how are they going to fare on the defensive side is something that's going to be good, too. Offensively, they always concern me. I feel like they never have good quarterback play. They usually run a quarterback play by running quarterbacks and not having success there, and that's a bit concerning. But Luke Altmaier, quarterback, transfer from Ole Miss, comes from a good program, and we've seen a lot of good quarterbacks come out of Ole Miss and have success in college and potentially at the NFL. So this is a guy coming into an opportunity where he's going to be able to kind of get a good glance from the get-go and, and maybe have success. Could be the difference for Illinois, honestly. But... I don't know how I'm going to feel about them. I think their defense will still be among the best in the Big Ten. Their offense will probably take time to adjust, which is probably why they're going to lose a couple of games there. That's kind of why I have them right in the middle of the pack at the number four spot. Next in the Big Ten, I got number five, Minnesota. I think the biggest reason why I have number five there is losing Mohamed Ibrahim was huge. He was their only part of offense last year, in my opinion. He would rush for 30, 40 yards a game. P.J. Fleck would just run and run and run. But to be fair, they didn't really have many options other than that. 
Their offensive line also lost three members last year, which obviously their offensive line was huge for Minnesota, and that was the reasons why Muhammad Ibrahim was able to have as successful of a year as he did. And losing three starters is going to be huge, especially losing Ibrahim. you got to rely solely on the quarterback. The offense success goes through the running back in line, which is kind of what's gone this season, and that kind of puts them in a precarious and vulnerable position. Defense will struggle as well, only returning five starters. They have to play Michigan and Ohio State as well, which isn't very favorable. Minnesota doesn't look great as far as their schedule is concerned, and even more than that, just the grand scheme and longevity of Minnesota. I don't know why a lot of people are buying the hype. Athan Calacamias showed an opportunity for success last season, but in my opinion, didn't really rise to the opportunity. It's kind of a do-or-make-or-break season for him because he's got a higher... Uh, performing wide receiver corps that can definitely provide him to be kind of the more dual threat quarterback that Minnesota wants him to be but in my opinion it's just kind of having not having I should say Muhammad Ibrahim and a solid running back play is what's going to be the difference maker I think the wide receivers are actually going to be solid but can they get the ball needed from um, Calic Aminas I'm not too sure and that's why I have them at the number five spot Nebraska at number six. This one's a bit interesting. I think a lot of people are kind of buying the hype. Matt Rule debuts at Baylor and Temple resulted in a combined three and twenty-one record. Everyone knows that they finally get rid of Scott Frost. Um, you know, in in Rule's first season, it'll probably be better than what his first seasons in Waco and Philadelphia were. Jeff Sims, a Georgia Tech transfer, is expected to start at quarterback. Um, you know, Casey Thompson had transferred to FAU. I don't know how I feel about this Nebraska team. I think their offense is definitely going to struggle. Their defense needs to be better than last season. They allowed 27.6 points per game. And for a Nebraska team, that a program that prides themselves on defense, defense is definitely going to improve. And I think it's going to improve. They have a couple of key starters on the defensive side that are going to be back. Um, they also kind of boosted some of their options there on the offensive side. I just don't trust their quarterback playing Jeff Sims and really um, their running back in Anthony Grant either. I mean, they have potential. A lot of transfers that's kind of thrown in the mix there for Nebraska and just kind of where they're at right now. I just don't think they're going to really make as much of an impact against some of these Big Ten teams. Now, down the line as far as recruiting all that stuff's concerned, maybe, but right now I'm really not buying the hype. And finally, I got Northwestern finishing last. The Northwestern Wildcats, man, they've they've struggled a lot. Um, I think for Northwestern, they were already terrible last season. One and eight in conference play, one and eleven overall. They were filled with scandal, hazing, all that stuff. Had to find a new coach. The only good thing going for them is they got a good linebacking core in Bryce Gallagher and Xander Muller. New quarterback in Ben Bryant, transfer quarterback from Cincinnati, but I don't know too much about him, to be honest. I don't know as much of as far as his impact. I do know that he is from Cincinnati. We've seen the success that Cincinnati's had, but I do believe as well you go from a Cincinnati to you know a Big Ten school. It's a huge impact. It's a big difference, and that's something that scares me a little bit. I think down the line he will be a guy that has success and can guy them moving in the pocket well and find options to throw to, but he just doesn't have that. His running back room as well isn't the greatest, and I don't think it really stacks up with kind of what he's hoping to be. They also lost left tackle Peter Skoronsky, who was a lottery pick in last year's draft, so they're losing some offense there. Um, they also lost running back Evan Hall, and they haven't really found, I guess, playmakers in the passing game. So all in all, it seems like a lose-lose situation for Northwestern. 
They're four and twenty over the last two seasons. They've struggled from that Big Ten championship that they've had, and this can almost be a good restart for Northwestern because we've obviously seen what's happened as far as the Northwestern program as a whole. It isn't great. It really is not good at all, and that's been big distractions. It'd be different if they're a good prominent school and they just haven't been. So all in all, the failures that have kind of been arising with North Northwestern haven't been good. And I think that's kind of why the people have put them in the position that they're put in. I really just don't see a future with Northwestern. Maybe three, four years down the line, they'll kind of get back in the ranks. But it almost feels like they're starting over, and that's a must for Northwestern to kind of get their identity back and, I guess, their footing and, and overall stability in college football. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Truth. I hope you guys did enjoy it. If you guys did, make sure you follow The Truth on Twitter at The Truth as one to stay up to date with the latest information regarding The Truth, including podcast dates, podcast uploads, and other important information of value. Also, make sure you are subscribed to The Truth for exclusive offers and benefits, including betting information and everything else you need to get your day started. And until next time, I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hudson. Take care and good night.